You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's everybody? Welcome in to the Philip Jordan Show. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Death Wars Football on 96.9 The Legend and Auburn Rider for Last Word on College Football. On today's show, I will be joined by CBS Sports NFL writer Jordan Dejani. We will break down the division around NFL playoffs. We will touch on all four games and also get Jordan's thoughts on the conference championship games this Sunday in the AFC and the NFC. And then after that conversation, I We'll get my thoughts on the Alabama and Auburn basketball matchup for Wednesday night tonight here on the Phil Jordan Show. You can check out the Phil Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of this show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me on the show today, our featured guest is Jordan Najani. He is over at CBS Sports, where he's an NFL writer. Uh, going to break down all these divisional round playoff games from this past weekend. Uh, Jordan, appreciate you coming on the show. Yo, yo, what's going on? Really appreciate you having me on today. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Always a fun time when I have you on the show to talk all things NFL, Jordan. And uh, just jump on it. I mean, a very interesting divisional weekend we just saw a few days ago, Saturday and Sunday, with all four games. Uh, for you, just uh, were there any surprises at a divisional round weekend? Yeah, I think there were a lot of surprises. I mean, first of all, I did not expect the Green Bay Packers to keep things that close against the San Francisco 49ers, the 49ers winning by just three points. And they did not look like the same juggernaut they were in the NFC during the course of the regular season, especially in the first half. But uh, their, their talent eventually overwhelmed Jordan Love and the Packers. And, of course, the young quarterback made some mistakes down the stretch that ended up deciding that matchup. But it, it definitely leads to some questions about the 49ers as they enter the NFC Championship round against the Detroit Lions, who have one of the best offenses in the NFL. I think one of the other big surprises probably was maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise, right? I mean, who is stupid enough to doubt the Kansas City Chiefs? I don't care if Patrick Mahomes is making his first road playoff start of his young incredible career i was certainly one of those people doubting patrick mahomes it seemed like the buffalo bills had everything going for them right they were on the longest active win streak in the nfl they finally had home field advantage against patrick mahomes it seemed like they introduced a running game with james cook they were running at the ball at will in the first half there especially with josh allen as a dual threat weapon as well but man This game was decided in the fourth quarter, like many of the games in the divisional round were, and Buffalo comes up short. Wide right, Mr. Tyler Bass from 44 yards out. Once again, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are headed to their sixth straight AFC Championship game appearance. That's the second longest streak in NFL history. Yeah, uh, I guess Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs are like Thanos, right? They're inevitable. I mean, you just can't get past them. And Hey, I, I, look, I'm one of those people, too. I went into the weekend saying I thought the Bills would win. Like you said, they're at home. Patrick Mahomes' first ever road playoff game. Just the Bills have been playing so well. And like you said, we're running the ball. Uh, 
not just Josh Allen, but the running backs playing well too there as well. Uh, have you seen anything different with the Chiefs offense? Because it seemed like at times in the regular season, that was a struggle. The receivers not catching the ball. Kelsey, at times, he was having issues with that, and he didn't seem like himself. But it seems like in the playoffs, they've really picked it up offensively. Yeah, Kansas City averaged 7.7 yards per play, and they had eight plays of 20-plus yards down the field. Both marked season highs for the Chiefs. So to make the claim that maybe Kansas City has flipped the switch here in the postseason, I think that's very accurate to say. Now, in terms of things they're doing differently, I mean, I will say that Marquez Valdez-Scaling, he only made two catches against the Bills, but they were both big gainers. He had a total of 62 yards on those two receptions. That added a different kind of downfield element for Patrick Mahomes, a downfield element that was truly missing in Kansas City's offense during the regular season. Rasheed Rice continues to be a legitimate pillar on this offense. He only had 47 receiving yards against Buffalo, but I still noticed his presence. And then I think Travis Kelsey, I mean, he hadn't caught a touchdown since that Super Bowl rematch against the Philadelphia Eagles in the regular season, he had two touchdown receptions against Buffalo. So he finally returned to form as the best tight end in the National Football League. And the final thing I'll, I'll, note, I'll note here, uh, this is not something that is different, but I'm really looking at the running back Isaiah Pacheco as a potential X factor for a potential Chiefs Super Bowl run, right? He averaged 6.5 yards per carry on 15 carries. He put the game away late. He had a big run in the second half to set them up with great field position. Isaiah Pacheco is someone that I'm looking at as a potential X factor as we enter AFC Championship weekend. And, you know, on the Bills side, and as we talked about, and, you know, everybody just thought, okay, this is the time the Bills finally get past the Kansas City Chiefs because the Bills have had the, the Chiefs number in the regular season, but Josh Allen is still yet to get past the Chiefs in the playoffs. What went wrong for Buffalo in the game? Yeah, it's so tough. And, and I mean, that loss is going to lead to a lot of overreactions, at least overreactions in my opinion, right? I mean, Buffalo is 0-4 versus the Chiefs or the Bengals in the last four postseasons, while they're 5-0 and versus the rest of the AFC teams in the playoffs during that same span. They've been eliminated in the divisional round for the third straight postseason. So, I mean, it leads to the question, where exactly does Buffalo rank in the AFC? you got the Chiefs, you got the Ravens, the Bengals are formidable when Joe Burrow is healthy under center. So it's leading to a lot of speculation about what the Bills need to do differently. And as I mentioned before, it seemed like they finally introduced a run game. It seemed like the defense rebounded after a poor start uh, that was only hurt by notable injuries on that side of the ball. Now, as for things that went wrong, it's really tough to point to one thing. I feel like the passing game could have been a lot better. Khalil Shakir certainly showed up with 44 yards on seven receptions, but to be honest with you, I really felt like they missed Gabe Davis in this matchup. Now, Gabe Davis isn't, isn't someone who's going to catch 10 receptions in any course of a game, but he's someone who really stretches the field and adds that downfield element that works well opposite of Stephon Diggs. And I felt like if he was healthy and he was playing, maybe it would have made a difference for Buffalo. So I'm looking at the pass game. I mean, Josh Allen only had 186 yards. That's something that was certainly notable to me, but – just a lot of miscues there in the fourth quarter, and a lot of people are going to point to Tyler Bass. Yeah, he probably should have made the field goal. Sometimes kicker miss, kickers miss kicks. It, it happens in the National Football League. But, man, you also have to look at the fact that Buffalo, they had a chance at the end of the game there, right? It was 143 left in the fourth quarter. They had two timeouts. But that run game of Kansas City that I talked about ended up ruling the day. So this was just another chapter of, 
what I would call the best postseason rivalry, rivalry we have in this NFL era, if you will. It was a back-and-forth affair, not a ton of defense, but some miscues in the fourth quarter uh, ended up sending the Bills home. Yeah, it really brings memories for me back to the early days of Tom Brady and the Patriots versus the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning, where Peyton Manning just could not get past him, but eventually he did beat the Patriots and Tom Brady, and then he, you know, he got a couple wins after that. So it does kind of feel like Mahomes and Allen is kind of like the new Brady versus Manning. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and again, that's what I'm, I'm talking about when it comes to Buffalo. Like, there's going to be a lot of talk about what they need to do differently. I feel like they need to stay the course, right? I feel like they need to continue to boost both sides of the ball. They need to remain healthy. They need a couple of things to go their way when they reach the postseason. And I really do like what interim offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who, as you know, is an LSU legend. I love what he did with the offense when he took over for the fired Ken Dorsey. So we saw a bit of a switch in philosophy with Buffalo's offense, and it was a good shift in philosophy, in my opinion. Ultimately, they fell up short, but in my opinion, this Bills team is still a contender. Uh, they just need some things to go their way when uh, they're playing meaningful football. The other matchup in the AFC, which was on Saturday, where Baltimore defeated Houston 34-10, 10-10 at halftime, and Houston was doing a really good job of getting pressure on Lamar Jackson, but second half, I mean, the Ravens just you know put the foot on the gas and just dominated the second half. Uh, three straight possessions with touchdowns, they get up, like I said, 31-10, to 10, uh, forced the Texans with punts. Oh, what was the biggest thing for you with the Ravens to come out with that victory on Saturday? Yeah, a lot of people were giving that game a bit of a side-eye when it was tied at halftime. It looked like Houston was doing a great job defensively. It kind of reminded me of the game plan that the Tennessee Titans had when they faced the Ravens back in 2019, and they ended up upsetting the number one seed Ravens. But, of course, the Texans could not do that. In the second half, I mean, I think Baltimore's talent just won out, especially when it comes to Lamar Jackson, who surely is going to win his second NFL MVP. Uh, he was the third player in NFL history to record two passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and 100 rushing yards in a single game. Justin Fields did it in 2022, and then Colin Kaepernick for the 49ers did it in 2013 back in the divisional round. So Lamar Jackson, I think that just the kind of tantalizing weapon dual threat quarterback that one of the best in the NFL that was the difference maker uh, in this matchup and the Texans defense I thought they played great as I mentioned in the first half but in the second half they certainly lost some responsibility when it came to containing the run Lamar Jackson diced them up was able to orchestrate several long drives but on top of that I mean the Texans offense I mean they had two games this season where they did not score an offensive touchdown it was the first game of the season and it was the last game of the season both of those came against the Baltimore Ravens. So the Baltimore Ravens have the, at least one of the top defenses in the NFL for good reason. Um, that was certainly a huge contributing factor to them advancing to the next round. Yeah, and of course, them in Kansas City would get Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes. And just how these two teams matches up because the defenses. I mean, Kansas City is one of the best defenses in the league. And obviously, you just mentioned the Ravens. And the Ravens, unlike the Bills, pretty much healthy going into this game. Uh, how, how do you see what, what is how do these two teams match up? I guess I should say. Yeah, I think the headlines, of course, is going to be Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson, but I really do think it comes down to the defensive side of the ball. And as you mentioned, these are two of the best defenses in the NFL. So, which one is going to win out? 
When I'm looking at Baltimore's offense, I'm uh, assuming that Mark Andrews, the star tight end, is going to be back in the lineup. He was a full participant in practice the last two practice sessions heading into the divisional round, I believe. But surprisingly, he was not activated from injured reserve. So I think that Baltimore is going to reintroduce him to the starting lineup. Not to say that Isaiah likely has not been good because he's been phenomenal, the young kid out of Coastal Carolina, when Mark Andrews went down with his injury. So I look at Baltimore's offense as loaded and ready to go. But as for Kansas City, uh, you know, we, we talked about Rasheed Rice being an evolving playmaker. Uh, we talked about Travis Kelsey rounding into form. We talked about Isaiah Pacheco, who is one of the more underrated running backs in the league. But is that group of four players with Patrick Mahomes good enough to overcome this incredible Baltimore defense that also has the backing of their home of their home field advantage. So, I, I mean, it's I, I already doubted Patrick Mahomes as a uh, road dog last week. I don't know if I want to do it again, but I am really looking at the Baltimore Ravens as the team that is playing the best football right now. So I'm leaning towards Baltimore in that matchup. Now, over in the NFC, and you talked about it at the top that you did not think the Green Bay Packers would play as well as they did against the 49ers and almost beat San Francisco. San Francisco did not look like the team we saw most of the regular season. What was it about this game? What were the Packers doing? I mean, even defensively, they had success there. I know there's a lot of Packer fans out there that wanted Joe Barry gone at one point there in the year. And then Jordan Lowe played well most of the game. You mentioned the mistakes there down the stretch at the end of the game, but why do you think the 49ers struggled on Saturday? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was a lot of different things. I understand that both teams have to play in bad weather, at least to start off. And we saw Brock Purdy kind of messing with whether he was going to wear a glove or not. And he even admitted to reporters afterwards that, you know, the weather certainly affected the game plan. And Brock Purdy did not look polished early on during that matchup. But as for Jordan Love, he came out on fire. He was slinging the rock across the field and, his emergence is certainly one of the key stories of the 2023 postseason, in my opinion. And I'll also add on to that, speaking about the weather, there were a couple of busted plays there in the secondary where 49ers defensive backs were slipping, um, leading to open wide receivers down the field. I know that Jordan Love had, had at least one touchdown that was due to said busted play. But Jordan Love had zero touchdowns and two interceptions on the final four drives when he had two touchdowns and zero interceptions on the first six drives. So it seemed like the 49ers defense finally got back into shape. Um, they were able to adjust and see what the Packers were doing in the passing game. And then Jordan Love made that mistake uh, throwing across his body when he had a couple timeouts as well, something that unfortunately young quarterbacks uh, you know, can definitely do at times. But, man, it's tough because we saw Carlson for the Packers miss that 41-yard field goal when they were up four points in the fourth quarter. I immediately live bet on the 49ers' money line, and sure enough, Purdy goes 69 yards down the field on 12 plays. McCaffrey punches it in inside the red zone. And, and as I said, the Packers really did have a shot, man. I think they had three timeouts, two or three timeouts, one minute on the clock, and then Jordan Love made that mistake. So, once again, it's that common theme I keep referring to. These games are being decided in the fourth quarter. Which team is going to have the resolve to go all the way? And the 49ers on their home field were that team to advance to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, and it felt like maybe early on in the game, of course, this is when Debo Samuel was still in the game before he got hurt, but the 49ers were, were trying to throw it a lot. But then, of course, later in the game, they do start leaning on Christian McCaffrey, and it seemed like that's when the offense really started playing a little bit better too as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's all about taking pressure off your quarterback in different situations. And Brock Purdy 
was struggling during the early course of that action. And once you start relying on McCaffrey to move the chains, um, the Packers defense, which, as you mentioned, it looked like people were calling for Joe Barry's job, but he's done a tremendous job here in the playoffs. That defense starts creeping up, right, especially the linebackers, which opens up the second level. And the 49ers offense, as we all know, is really operates on those timing routes with Brock Purdy coming off of play action. So once Christian McCaffrey starts going, that really hurts the defense in more ways than one because it opens up the passing game. And I think that's what we saw there in the second half. You know, just looking at the Packers, and youngest team, in the playoffs, I mean, we've seen it. The third straight quarterback looks like the Packers have hit on. I mean, there's teams out there that they can't hit on one quarterback. The Packers have hit on now looks like three in a row. Anything you think this team needs to look at in the offseason to kind of, okay, take this youth and then kind of take it to that next level to be a true contender next season? Yeah, I think there's a couple of holes they could probably fill. I'm kind of interested to see how the offensive line shakes out um, entering 2024. But I also think that you also you have to look over at the playmakers. I think that the Packers have a lot of really good young playmakers, but knowing Matt LaFleur, he's always going to be surveying the draft and free agency to see if he's going to bring someone in. But offensively, the Packers look really solid. It's the defensive side of the ball where they were incredibly inconsistent. I go back to a few weeks ago, they allowed, I think, like 30 points to Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers, which was absolutely shocking. Um, I think the Packers can absolutely upgrade on the defensive side of the ball and I'm still interested to see, I don't know if anything's come out on this yet, but if Joe Barry is going to end up keeping his job heading into 2024, I'm sure that the Packers are going to take the, the entire season all together and really evaluate it to see which direction they want to move forward, despite what was an overall impressive postseason. But the defensive side of the ball, I think, is going to be imperative to the Packers' success moving forward. You know, then the other matchup in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Detroit Lions, really good fun game it kind of back and forth a little bit early defensive struggle middle of the game into the third quarter and toward the end of the third quarter the offense has come alive again but what, what's been your big takeaway with the Detroit Lions these two playoff games I mean Jared Goff has just been really efficient he's no interceptions he's just playing great ball right now yeah it's funny because I've been kind of tabbed as like a Lions hater I guess if you will <laughs> because I've had a Got a lot of questions about the defensive side of the ball. I mean, there's been times in the regular season where the Lions defense, in my opinion, looked like one of the worst units in the league. You know, they were addicted to giving up chunk plays. Their defensive front's actually pretty solid, but if you give the quarterback time to throw the ball, he's going to dice up that secondary. Now, I will mention that Detroit had a couple of key pieces return to the lineup during the course of the postseason. We're talking about C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the secondary, who certainly shows up on tape, Aline McNeil on the defensive line. I don't know if James Houston has played yet, but the young pass rusher is someone who uh, is probably going to return for the NFC Championship game, if I had to guess. The Lions' defense has been just a little bit better, which has been important. Now, when it comes to their performances in the playoffs, I think the win over the Rams was really, really good. I'm going to point back to the Rams having to spend two timeouts very early in the second half, which ended up leading to their ultimate demise. But the Lions' offense, as you mentioned, with Jared Goff being so efficient, I think it's one of the best offenses in the NFL. I mean, they have a really good offensive line. Uh, they got a two-headed backfield with, uh, with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, who's really emerging into a dual-threat playmaker. And they got a great wide receiving core as well. That includes Sam Laporta, the rookie tight end, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds can, can flash at times. So can the young guy out of Alabama, Jamison Williams. So this Lions' offense, in my opinion, really does have it all. And uh, But here they go, onto the road, right, against the 49ers, hostile environment. They're leaving their comforts of home. 
are they going to be the same exact team or are some of those inconsistencies that we saw during the regular season going to rear their ugly heads against one of the best defenses in the National Football League? That's the big question I have coming into this matchup. I really do think that the Lions are a top five, top ten, whatever it is, team in the NFL. I guess when you state it that way, they're objectively contenders. But when it comes to putting these these uh, remaining playoff teams into tiers, I look at the Lions as maybe one of the worst or maybe the worst team in this final four. I still like the 49ers a lot. I think they're a lot more complete on both sides of the ball. Throw in the fact that this game's in San Francisco, and I'm leaning towards the 49ers to head to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you got to think, too, in, in your opinion, how much is it that, you know, at least Jared Goff has, has experience in these moments. He's played in NFC Championship games before. He's played in the Super Bowl. Just He's been in this moment before to kind of help out the rest of the team. Because like, this is going to be a tough task. Because you got to think the 49ers are not going to play like they play against the Packers two weeks in a row. Right. It was definitely good for the 49ers to get that junk out of their system, in my opinion, early against the Green Bay Packers. But you talk about Jared Goff, and this is someone who – you listen to Lions players talk about him. You know, they're very impressed with the kind of leader that he's been. And think about his story, too. The former number one overall pick with the Rams ends up going to the Super Bowl with the Rams, but then is cast off for Matthew Stafford. A lot of people were envisioning Jared Goff being this kind of one and done in, in, in Detroit, right? This guy who probably doesn't have the makings of a franchise quarterback, yet here we are. The Lions, led by Jared Goff under center, are one game away from making a Super Bowl appearance. So that speaks a lot to the resolve that Jared Goff has shown. Uh, I think he's playing some of the best football in his career. This year with the Lions here in 2023 was undoubtedly his best campaign in Detroit. And I, I give a lot of credit to the playmakers around him, the protection up front with him, the offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who I think has done a tremendous job. The Lions have a lot of good things working for them right now. So I'm going to throw a question at you as we close up here. Which Jared Goff do you prefer, the L.A. Rams Jared Goff or the Detroit Lions Jared Goff? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm going to lean towards the Lions Jared Goff. And I brought up that 2023 was his best season with the Lions. According to the box scores, you go to pro football reference, his best seasons actually came with the L.A. Rams. But with Sean McVay, with some of those weapons, I think he had a lot of help around him. Not to say he doesn't have a lot of help around him in Detroit, but I really do think that Jared Goff has been efficient with the football. That's the key word, efficient with the football. Now, one thing to keep an eye on here in the NFC Championship game is Jared Goff taking care of the football. Because when the Lions offense struggled during the course of the regular season, go back to that Thanksgiving loss against the Green Bay Packers, it's because Jared Goff has made some questionable decisions throwing into occupied passing lanes. So I'll tell you right now, I'm probably going to bet on Jared Goff to throw an interception on Sunday against the 49ers. But that's going to be a key factor is Jared Goff taking care of the football, sticking to him being efficient, relying on your playmakers, set the tempo with David Montgomery up the A-gap, rely on that offensive line. The Lions will definitely have a shot to play spoiler. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I think a lot of people out there are going to be rooting for the Lions just because they're the one team in this thing that's never never won it. You know, So they're, they're trying to uh, to get in there, and uh, I think a lot of people might be rooting for the Lions. But, uh, Jordan, this has been a lot of fun having you on, talking about these divisional games, just talking NFL, getting ready for the conference championship Sunday coming up. If the listeners and uh, viewers want to check out, where can they find you? Uh, check me out at Jordan Dajani, D-A-J-A-N-I, over at Twitter slash X slash whatever you call it. Uh, Jordan Dajani over at CBSSports.com. There's never any lack of content up there. 
we're breaking down everything right now from uh, from playoff brackets to playoff picks to player props to so the whole coaching carousel, which is always spinning to perfect draft plans for some of the teams that have found themselves out of the playoffs now. So a lot of content to digest over at CBSSports.com. All right, everybody, go check Jordan out. A lot of great NFL content uh, his way. And, uh, Jordan, I appreciate the time. And uh, look forward when we get to do this again sometime down the road. Anytime. Thank you, man. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legends. But Digio Strategies has other options, too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m., and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just the beginning all right, once again, thanks to Jordan Dejani from CBS Sports for coming on the show and talking NFL Divisional Round and just kind of piggybacking some of the stuff we talked about there with him. Um, yeah, Baltimore and Houston, 10-10 at halftime, and really toward the end of the first half, it really seemed like Houston was getting a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson, but they were able to fix it. Here's how they came out in the second half. Lamar Jackson... Uh, led the team down, 15-yard run, then Houston punted the ball, then Jackson connected with Likely with 14-23, 24-10, then Houston had a punt, and then they had another drive that put them up 31-10, as I mentioned there in our conversation. So Baltimore really showed how great they are there in the second half. And that one, Kansas City and Buffalo on Sunday, just, man, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes just had the Buffalo Bills number in the playoffs like i said the bills have pretty much won this series in the regular season but when these two teams meet in the playoffs it's, it's been the chiefs and you gotta wonder with the buffalo bills what is their window to win a championship that defense is getting older and a lot of it is josh allen be superman how much longer can they go on with this because the way he plays too, you gotta wonder the legit, you know, how long his longevity of his career, how long is that? Uh, at some point, when he started getting beat up, so another situation there. I just like what Seattle Lions' offensive efficiency with this team. Jared Goff once again, we talk a lot there. Uh, Tampa Bay had their opportunities in this one. Two turnovers by Baker Mayfield, of course, the interception toward the end that clinched it for Detroit. And then the 49ers and the Packers. Packers had plenty of opportunities. Or they moved the ball at will in the first half. Two field goals, and they went for it on a fourth down. Didn't get it. Green Bay should have put some touchdowns there in the first half. They were down 7-6 to six going into the locker room. Uh, Colby Wooden from Auburn Tiger did get the blocked field goal there. But still, the Packers had opportunities. They had a couple chances at pick sixes. They did not capitalize on, of course, the field goal there at the end by Anders Carlson. And, of course, we know this. Uh, us in the SEC and Southeast and people in this state of Alabama. Anders was inconsistent at Auburn. 
And so a lot of NFL NFL only people are looking, oh, I'll just give him time, but this is kind of who he's been as a kicker. But 49ers did not play well. Brock Purdy does not play good in bad weather. Um, he did not handle the ball well um, with the wet football. I think that gave us some issues there. And Debo Samuel not being out there really messed things up for them. Now let's look at this Alabama-Auburn basketball game coming our way on Wednesday night. Alabama is actually favored in this one at home by three and a half points. And, look, you look at this, Alabama is coming off a game where they did not play well against Tennessee on Saturday. They lost 91-71 to in the game. They had trouble with the Tennessee big men in this one. Now, Mark Sears had 22 points in the game, but Alabama also struggled with turnovers. I had 22 turnovers in the game. They were down by as much as 27 points in the game. 23 points off turnovers for Tennessee. Their second, 17 second chance points. No other players in double figures outside of Mark Sears. So they're going to need more from that team collectively against Auburn, who pretty much goes 10 11 deep. Now, Auburn's coming off their 11th straight win. They beat Ole Miss 82 to 59. Ole Miss coming this game as the 22nd ranked team in the country. Ole Miss now drops to 15 to 3. Uh, the Auburn big men, Janai Broom had 13, Jalen Williams had 13, and Dylan Cardwell had 12. Auburn is averaging in their winning streak to win by 22 points or more, and they have so many different players that can score for this team. Aiden Holloway, Katie Johnson. I think Auburn's going to win. They're going in Tuscaloosa, so it's going to be a hostile environment on this one. But I do think Auburn does take the win against Alabama. It'll be close, but I just think Auburn's depth and just the fact is that they can roll so many players out there. they got so many different players that can score and take that burden. So it's not just one guy. Mark Sears, it was him on Saturday. They're gonna, like I said, they're going to need more from their other players there without Bow to win this game. But I like Auburn to win it and go to 12 games in a row and remain undefeated in SEC play. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Philip Jordan Show. Be back on Friday. AJ Spur from Roll Tide Wire will be joining me. We'll be getting into his thoughts on Kalen DeBoer so far, the staff, and the transfer portal losses for Alabama. We'll dive into that. I will dive into the game that we just talked about here. I will recap it, give my thoughts on what happened between Alabama and Auburn, and also I will give my NFL divisional picks. So make sure to check that out on Friday's episode of the podcast. And uh, we'll be altering things a little bit next week, too, on the show. I know last week said we're only going to do one a week. I figured we might just do two or three a week again. Uh, We're going to be doing a lot of audio-only shows, not as much video stuff here for the foreseeable future anyways. Uh, And I'll explain about that at a later date, too. But anyways, hope everybody has a great Wednesday. Enjoy the Alabama and Auburn basketball game, ESPN, 630, on Wednesday night. Be looking forward to that. Anyways, guys, until next time. Bye-bye.